It's been a long week. A week of nonsense and lies and utter BS. Consider this your tonic for all that ails you politically, so drink it in. This is the Rich Zioli Podcast. Yes, it is, and welcome back to another week of craziness. So last week, the judge in the Mar-a-Lago raid, he said he was open to possibly putting out the subpoena that was used, the affidavit to justify the search warrant, but only, only if certain parts were redacted by the government. He also said, however, he's open to allowing the government a chance to appeal, which means you will never, ever see the affidavit, not anytime soon. Alan Dershowitz was a big civil libertarian, a guy who actually believes in the Bill of Rights, understands that you have a right to be innocent until proven guilty by your government. The Dersh understands that it's a fight. It really is to defend liberty against the powers of government. But here's something else the Dersh believes. Trump is not the right guy to be president. That's right. Alan Dershowitz did not vote for Donald Trump. Not once, not twice. And he even said he would not vote for Trump a third time. In fact, he looks forward to not voting for him a third time. But just so you understand, it's not just us crazy MAGA types who believe this FBI raid was absolutely wrong. Alan Dershowitz says the same thing. Now, I want to tie this into something. Reason.com had a great piece on this. The FBI in California raided a savings and loan type place, you know, with those savings boxes you get, you know, where you can put stuff in. They're for a reason, to be able to protect your valuables in case your home is, I don't know, broken into because it's California and that's what they do there. The FBI raided that and told the judge they were just going there to do an inventory. Turns out they were there to do civil asset forfeiture, taking all kinds of stuff, money, cash, gold, gold watches, a little bling. Because obviously if you have that stuff, you might be a drug dealer. They were admonished by the judge, but here's my point. For those of us who believe that the raid of Mar-a-Lago was so improper because maybe the government was on a fishing expedition, that's exactly what they did in California with these security boxes. They went in there to a bank and they said, hey, if you've got stuff in there that might be, in fact, cash or watches or anything else, probably means you're a drug dealer. No basis for that, but they were on a fishing expedition. Same thing they were doing down in Mar-a-Lago. This is why those people who value the right of self-defense in terms of the legal perspective, like Alan Dershowitz, believe this was an improper search. Take a listen. With that, look, I voted against Trump twice. I'm looking forward to an opportunity if he runs again to vote against them for a third time. But I will not compromise the Fourth Amendment or the Constitution or the principles I've stood for all my life in order to get Trump. This was an improper search. They should have enforced the subpoena. That's what Merrick Garland said the Justice Department generally does, less intrusive methods. Now, the affidavit, if it's revealed, may indicate reasons why a search warrant had to be effectuated three days after or two and a half days after it was approved. But right now, the burden of proof is heavily on the government to justify this intrusive search. No, it's not a raid. It's a court-authorized intrusive search. But it still has to be justified, not only under the letter, but the spirit of the Fourth Amendment. Isn't it amazing how many people are willing to just completely sacrifice the Fourth Amendment just to get Trump? But this is the problem that I've had for years with a lot of people, even in my own party, the law and order types who say, well, forget the Fourth Amendment. Let's just seize their stuff. If that car looks like it might be belonging to a drug dealer, just take it. That cash, the $50,000 in cash, obviously it's for a bad reason. Let's just take it and then have the person fight back for it. And I've said no. It's the same reason why I said no when the government was doing all those wiretaps years ago. The answer is no, we do not destroy the Fourth Amendment just to get the bad guy. 
Problem is today, the bad guy is Donald Trump, and the left is willing to completely shred the Constitution to get him, which is a shame. Because at one time, people like the ACLU and others would come out and do anything they could to defend the Bill of Rights. Nowadays, it's just about getting Donald Trump at whatever the cost. So that turns us to the science. Trust the science. As you know, last week, the CDC came out and said, oops, our bad. We did it again. You know, botched another pandemic. Uh That's on us. Now they want to do a reorganization. Do we really trust these people? And one Republican governor, at least New Hampshire Governor Chris Sununu, who may run for president someday, actually slamming the CDC for eroding trust of the American public. Now, remember something. Today, Dr. Anthony Fauci, Asanto Fauci, the nation's leading infectious disease doctor, you have to say that by law, announced he's leaving the Biden administration by the end of December. Do you believe him? I got a feeling and call me crazy. Maybe there'll be another variant right around the same time that Fauci is about to leave and Maybe uh, Fauci will have to stay on just a little bit longer because we didn't see this new Delta Omicron double double man boy band variant coming along like the boys to men of variants. We just didn't see it. And now here we are with it. So I got to stay for another couple of weeks, maybe over winter break and a spring break and maybe two weeks to slow the spread for another two decades. You know, well, a lot of people feel like the CDC completely blew it. And those power tyrants over there destroyed freedom. And this is where host Trace Gallagher goes with this. Take a listen. Look, when, when a, a officials come out from the national government and talk about science, there's an implied understanding as a guy that went to MIT and, and, and you know, studied a lot of science and engineering. When you say the word science, you're saying data. You're saying we know what's happening. We understand it. And here's the response that we need. You cannot come back out and say something totally different down the road because it most importantly, we don't want to have the CDC have people have no trust in the CDC. We don't want that. But unfortunately, that's that's where we are today as a governor. Yeah, we are there today, and we might be there again. It's now September. Kids going back to school. See you in September. The new Arby's commercial is going to come out any day now with the lunch lady making sloppy joes. My kids don't want to go back. They kind of do. They want to see their friends, but they also like sleeping in. I can't wait for them to go back. And I know if you're a parent right now, you know exactly what I mean. The question is, of course, are we going to have masks on our kids again? In Philadelphia schools, as we'll talk about later in the show, you're going to find out that kids in preschool have to wear masks the entire year. This makes no sense whatsoever. We'll talk to a mother in learning fight who's trying to fight against that, which is a good thing. But remember the scarf, Dr. Deborah Burks? She came out over the weekend and said, now we have to praise the CDC. That's right. This is a big deal. A watershed moment that those hacks at the CDC have now admitted how wrong they were. She expects real change. Here, take a listen. Credible acknowledgement by the CDC director just a few days ago uh, about the agency that she runs. And Dr. Walensky said to CDC employees, to be frank, quote, we are responsible for some pretty dramatic, pretty public mistakes from testing to data to communications. This is our watershed moment. And she outlined these proposed changes to institutional culture, uh, accountability, communication, timeliness. Yeah, timeliness. I got the time here. It is um, 5.37 p.m. and I'm recording this podcast. And guess what? Uh, Dr. Burks is not wearing a scarf. That's the only change you're going to see. Burks is not wearing a scarf. And that's it. Otherwise, things are going to go on business as usual. You know why? Bureaucrats never get in trouble. That's why. Bureaucrats do what they do, and they cover for themselves in every agency everywhere. 
In fact, it's something the United States Supreme Court is about to tackle, too, and something that is known as a very, very important decision that deals with government agencies. Now, I won't get into the weeds on that today, but I will tell you, though, that if the Supreme Court decides to rein in these federal agencies, it will never come too soon. This is because right now we've got politicians and professors and everywhere else saying that we should use the power of government to help your children transition. That's right. The very same scientists over there at the CDC and the NIH who don't believe your kids should be able to buy a pack of smokes till they're 21 now believe your kids should be able to transition as early as age three. That's right. Now, maybe the Chevron decision will rein these government hacks in. In the meantime, we're funding people like this over at Yale. This is the director of the Yale Pediatric Gender Program. Can't believe they have such a thing. The Yale Pediatric Gender Program, Christy Oleski, PhD. Better call it doctor, otherwise you'll be accused of doctor splaining. And Dr. Francis Grimstead, the attending physician director of gynecology at Boston Children's Hospital, explaining a hysterectomy procedure on a young kid. Take a listen. I'm a clinical psychologist by training, and I am the director of the Yale Gender Program, which is an interdisciplinary program working with gender expansive individuals, three to 25, and their families. We um, help individuals who are questioning their gender identity or who identify as transgender or non-binary. We help them with their gender journey, um, thinking through that, thinking through the risks and the benefits of uh, medical intervention, uh, starting medical intervention, um, and also building supports around them. And I love what I do, so it's really, really wonderful to to be working in this field and to be working with individuals who are gender diverse and gaining their support and helping them on their gender journeys. Gender journeys, listen, when I was three, let's pause it for a quick second. When I was age three, I identified as a Tyrannosaurus Rex and Batman. That's the reality. Gender journeys at three, you should not even be able to think about that stuff. Listen, I got a two and a half year old. I'm trying to potty train her. That's a nightmare. She will take off her diaper and she will peel over the floor. No, she really will. She'll do so because she does not understand the proper way to behave. But in a couple months, she's going to know if she wants to be a boy. No, no, thank you. Three, five, 15. What is the age of adulthood? That's my question. If that same kid were to go and get a boob job as a boy and then try to get a pack of cigarettes or chewing tobacco to celebrate, the government would clamp down on them. No, really. If a girl decided she was a boy and wanted to transition, the government would pay for it. Then if she walked over to go hunting and try to buy a gun, they'd say, what are you, 15? You're way too young to know what's best for you. Get out of here till you grow up. And yet this is what we're doing. So here's Boston Children's Hospital's Gender-affirming hysterectomies to kids, Dr. Francis Grimstad, take a listen. Hysterectomy is very similar to most hysterectomies that occur. A hysterectomy itself is the removal of the uterus, the cervix, which is the opening of the uterus, and the fallopian tubes, which are attached to the sides of the uterus. Some gender-affirming hysterectomies will also include the removal of the ovaries, but that's technically a separate procedure called a bilateral oophorectomy. And not every gender-affirming hysterectomy includes that, and people who are getting gender-affirming hysterectomies do not have to have their ovaries removed. all this and she's so happy about it too we're going to mutilate children we're going to take out their fallopian tubes and their ovaries do you know that a woman told me once that when she was thinking about getting her tubes tied after she had a couple kids they told her please we don't advise you to do that till you're 35 in case you change your mind these are permanent 
life-altering procedures, and we're doing this now with kids. At 17, a trans woman, as they put it, can receive a vaginoplasty, which was, of course, my Van Halen cover band name in college. Now, children under the age of 15 can go under the knife for breast augmentation or double mastectomies in the name of gender affirmation, as they call it, gender affirmation. This is crazy. This is mutilating children to pursue some politically correct woke agenda. It's insane. Look, you're an adult. Live your life. I will never tell you what to do. You want to live your life as a woman and you're a man, born a man, then knock yourself out. Have at it. Just don't tell me what to do when I'm an adult. And you're the first ones, you on the left, to jump in and tell me my beverage is too big or my cheeseburger is too rare. I want to eat a rare cheeseburger. And yes, maybe I do need a 64-ounce beverage. Don't you tell me I don't. At the same time, I'll let you live your life. You be you, I'll be me. Just don't hurt anybody and we're all good. But these are kids. These are children. What I cannot understand is the hypocrisy of the left. One week it is, you got to be 25 if you want to buy a gun because these brains are not developed yet. Then the next week, it's, you should be able to vote at 16. You know how many people have been sent to war with guns in their hand by the wrong politician? So how are you going to trust a 16-year-old to make that choice when that person that they are voting for could literally start World War III and cause nuclear hellfire to rain down on all of us? The answer is you don't. Their brains are not fully developed. I hear all the time, we got to raise the age of cigarettes buying smoking because kids at 18 will buy cigarettes for younger kids because those kids at 18, their brains are not fully formed to know right and wrong. Yet, at 17, we're going to let them get a boob job? No, thank you. No way. we got to decide what is the age of adulthood and go from there. And the left's all over the place on this. I'm consistent. 18. You get all your rights. You should be able to drink, smoke, serve our country. If you can die in war, you can buy a beer, as far as I'm concerned. Then you get to vote. You get to buy a gun. Do whatever you want. At 18, that's the age. And all this crap can go along with it. But the American Academy of Pediatrics ignores evidence they don't like. They promote studies with conclusions that they ideologically prefer. And this is the problem. It's dubious transgender science. They claim its social influence isn't the reason as many as 9% of America's youth now call themselves transgender. Well, you and I know better. We know the kids are very, very delicate. And especially with COVID now, they've not been around their friends. And so what happens is that they crave attention. And they also crave an answer to what plagues them. And right now it is depression, social isolation, the anxiety of being around the pandemic, not being in school, not being able to play sports. So if they can decide that they are in fact trans, they get all kinds of attention from their peers, whether or not they are or not, is irrelevant. I have no doubts there are some kids who actually genuinely believe that, but I think a lot of kids are, yes, faking it, just like kids fake things all the time because they want to be, they want to fit in, they want social acceptance, and that is what exactly happens. Now, the other thing the CDC is screwing up is monkeypox. They're now saying that monkeypox can linger on common household items, according to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Now, the White House also came out and gave a, a very strong warning this week to men who have sex with men and multiple partners. And they told them, please don't have multiple partners. This is how this is spreading. Bathhouses and raves and places like that. I remember during COVID, they were more than happy to shut down a gym or a bingo night or my kid's playground to slow the spread. You remember that? Well, now with monkeypox, they're shutting nothing down. And I'm giving people the real advice. The truth of the matter is this disease is spreading from male to male transition, and it's happening at these places. If the CDC was consistent, they would shut these places down. I'm not advocating for it because I don't believe in lockdowns, but that just shows you how they have zero consistency. So... Now they have a new video that they put out together 
As it turns out, monkeypox can linger on common household items. According to the CDC, we have a list right here of the things that monkeypox can live on. Let's roll that, please. I'll go through it with you. Light switches, very, very common. Door handles. Uh, wine stoppers, yeah, I know. Uh, the top of a washing machine when it's on the spin cycle. Um, vibrating shower heads, an eggplant. Eggplant, wow. Also, um, yeah, be, that's a pump of some sort and also a plug of some sort and also something that requires batteries and yeah, common household items, you get the point. They can live on all those things. Now you know and just avoid all those things. Did you catch that washing machine graphic? If you didn't, you really should be subscribing to YouTube. This works a whole lot better when you actually watch it. Thank you for listening. Now let's take a look back on all the th stupid things said by stupid people this past week. Let's do it. It's time for fun with audio on the Rich Zioli podcast. Stupid things said by stupid people. Oh, and there's a lot of them this week, as you can imagine. Sam Harris, a philosopher, argues that it's acceptable for the left wing to actually conspire against Donald Trump, including censoring certain outlets in order to prevent Trump from winning this in 2020. Take a listen. I mean, Hunter Biden, at that point, Hunter Biden literally could have had... had the corpses of children in his basement, I would not have cared, right? It's like, it's, there's nothing. First of all, it's Hunter Biden, right? It's not, it's like, it's not Joe Biden. But even if Joe, like, even the, whatever scope of Joe Biden's corruption is, like, if, you, if we could just go down that rabbit hole endlessly and, and understand that he's getting kickbacks from Hunter Biden's deals in Ukraine or wherever else, right? Or China. It is infinitesimal compared to the corruption we know Trump is involved in. It's like it's- You have the corpses of children in his basement, I still would have voted against Trump. Wow, that guy sounds very optimistic. Isn't he fun at parties too? Hey guys, listen, I got dip and chips and I wanna argue with you that dead kids in the basement make for a better world leader. All right, we'll take a listen. This is now Representative Jamila J. Powell. She's a member of the squad who actually believes inflation is merely, well, this. It is ultimately going to lead to a reduction in overall inflation, but most importantly, to the budget that people have every single day. Inflation is like a theoretical word that economists use, but what families feel every day is the up or down of costs. You know, inflation's theoretical, and you feel that, right? It's very theoretical when you go to the grocery store, when you fill your car with gas, you go, in theory, this sucks. And guess what? In real life, it sucks, too, because you're paying a lot for it. Something theoretical about this. It's hurting Americans. But you know what? Democrats go with that. Let everybody believe this is theoretical, like a clown, a candy clown or a unicorn or something like that. Go with it. Run with it. Let's see how it works out for you this November. And speaking of the squad, Representative Rashida Tlaib made $100,000 in rental income while publicly calling for the end of rent. Oh, the hypocrisy knows no bounds, right? Squad member Rashida Tlaib peddled lots of COVID money and pocketed as much as $100,000 in income in rental income. That's right. Must be nice, isn't it? Must be nice. But for those of you that can't afford a house, maybe you're renters, maybe you don't have a lot of money. Well, Jennifer Granholm, the Secretary of Energy, has some ideas for you. Her ideas are, you poor people, just suck it up and buy some solar panels, all right? Just understand this. I know you crazy poor people can't afford a lot of things. You definitely can afford an EV, right? You definitely can afford solar panels. And if you can't, that's on you. Take a listen. 
If you are moderate income, today you can get 30% off the price of solar panels. Those solar panels can be financed, so you don't have to have the big outlay at the front. And when they're financed, they're financed to the in a way that reduces your energy bill, even though you have solar panels. With this 30% off, it's a significant incentive. Same. It's a significant incentive, 30% off. Act Now will throw in two solar panels. Act Right Now by 10 p.m. will throw in five free windows and a cat. Is she a, like a pitch woman here? What's going on? Is she actually working for a solar panel company? Telling poor people that just suck it up and buy solar panels is the uh, epitome of being obtuse and completely out of touch with people. The Democrats have gone from I feel your pain to suck it up, buttercup, buy an EV. Think of how out of touch these people really are. Oh, it's bad. But you know what? It's their funeral. What can I tell you? Now, Democrat Representative Jamie Raskin of Maryland refuses to say how the Inflation Reduction Act will actually reduce inflation. I know what you're thinking. Rich, it's in the name. Inflation Reduction Act. Isn't it actually going to reduce inflation? Oh, stop it. You trying to be all fancy with your words. Sometimes words mean absolutely nothing. Like you're about to hear in this clip. Take a listen. As, as soon as the act goes into uh, effect, I hope that all of the provisions will begin to work. I, am, uh, I, I know that those who have been blaming President Biden for the inflation going up are now giving President Biden all the credit for inflation going down. So we're moving things in the right direction already. Yeah, and what parts of the bill do you think will we'll quickly work on that specifically? The, the, uh, next question. Blah, 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 Next, Max, don't ask, blah, 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 candy gram, candy gram. And this week we lost a titan, a hero, a hero of mainstream media, Brian Stelter. Little Brian Stelter, the man who perpetually sounded like he was about to enter puberty and just couldn't quite get through it. Brian Stelter, he's leaving CNN. But his show, you understand, was a mighty little titan of a show, just like Stelter in real life, a mighty little titan. Here's a little uh, highlights, if you will, or lowlights, perhaps, of Brian Stelter, some of his best work from our friends at Grabian, as we say goodbye to little Brian Stelter. Is the president of the United States a racist? Is he suffering from some kind of illness? Is he fit for office? And if he's unfit, then what? The word cult has been popping up more and more. Is Mitch McConnell part of the Trump cult? The GOP is not a party anymore in the traditional sense. It's a cult. A brand new book called The Cult of Trump. You say the president is using mind control. Truth still matters. You'll probably hear a lot about Fox News this week. The network evolved or devolved into the beating heart of the GOP. A heart with clogged arteries and weak muscles. Michael, many Democrats say no to Fox's interview request. Ah, Brian, we'll miss you. We'll miss you, little Brian Stelter. And just like we're going to miss CNN Plus, something nobody ever wanted, something nobody ever asked for, it's the return of Brian Stelter. Maybe on CNN streaming. All right, that doesn't exist anymore. We'll be right back. All right, very excited for my special guest this week. He's a businessman. He ran for governor of Pennsylvania and he did a great job in the primary. And now he is out there really, really working hard for Doug Mastriano, who is a Republican nominee. It's a pleasure to welcome back my friend Dave White. Dave, great to see you again. Thanks for having me. Great to be here. Absolutely. Look forward to it. You look very tan and fit. I, I feel good, but now golfing. I got a little free time now, which That's is a good, good. thing. Enjoying yeah. the family. 
So we're really having a good time. But yet you're working very hard. You're going to be on the campaign trail for Doug Mastriano. You're out there speaking on his behalf as a surrogate, which is great. Absolutely. Uh, this ticket, uh, Doug Mastriano, Dr. Oz, has to win. Uh, we're at a crossroads, not just in the, uh, the state, but in this country. Yeah. So we need this ticket to get across the finish line. Uh, we talked earlier, there's a great poll out. I think it's a great Tafago poll out that really shows the race tightening, which you expect it. Uh, sure. Because nobody pays attention to after Labor Day. And uh, I think they're going to do very well. I'm going to do everything I can to get them both across the finish line. Yeah, so let's talk about that Trafalgar poll for a second. First of all, this is the polling outfit that correctly predicted Donald Trump would win in 2016. Yes. When every other poll showed Hillary Clinton with a 99.9% chance of winning, yes. Trafalgar had it right. They're very accurate. Their methodology works. Nobody knows the secret sauce, but whatever they're doing, it's working. And they have right now this race under five points, which is really about four points, and margin of error stuff. I mean, 3.9%, which means that, to your point, nobody's paying attention yet because it right. is still the summer. Labor Day is right around the corner. We all come back from vacation. Kids go back to school. Suddenly we start paying attention again. To be in this position as the Republican opponent after they have been just beating this guy down for months on end. I agree. And there's been no negativity against Josh Shapiro whatsoever. Not in the primary not so far. So the minute they start going after Josh Shapiro, I think it's going to work out very well for Doug. It, it will. People are going to come back. They're going to come back. They're going to go back to school. Uh, people are now shopping for school. They're seeing that that's up 15 percent over year over year. They're seeing what inflation's doing. They're seeing what the uh, gas prices are. They're going back into reality and they're understanding that Washington is not working and uh, Pennsylvania is not working. Yeah. And we need Doug Mascherano to be governor we need him to get across the finish line this come November. We're going to do everything. I think he's going to be successful. He's working hard. He's got everybody out there working hard. I'm going to be in uh, Lancaster on Wednesday speaking for him uh, at a rally. I'm looking forward to it, and I'm looking forward to doing everything I can do for him. That's excellent. And yeah. it was really good, too, that Governor Ron DeSantis came in for him as well. Yes, no that doubt That was fantastic. It. DeSantis is a, is a rock star. Agreed. They loved him in Pittsburgh. The media hated the fact that he was in, of course, right, uh, as you can imagine. Well, he, he fires up the base. He not just fires up the base, but he fires up independents that believe Washington is broken, that likes what he's done in, uh, in Florida and wants to see uh, Pennsylvania more like Florida. We may not be able to have the weather, but we have the natural resources. We can get our economy going. We can uh, do away with those regulations. We can do away with the mandates. He has done a great job in Florida. I think Doug Mastriano can do the same type of job in Pennsylvania. Dave, what, you're a businessman. You're, you're a self-made man. You're an entrepreneur. Tell us about your background for those that don't know. Uh, I'm, I went to high school, and when I was 14 years old, I knew what I wanted to be, and it was a steam fitter. My dad was a steam fitter. His father was a steam fitter. And I got right out. I went to Votech in high school, which uh, the best choice I, I think I ever made because I wasn't real, really a big academic and came out and I worked hard. And then uh, after working in the field for 20 years, my wife, Debbie, and I started a business 20 years ago from nothing. Literally, and I know I've told you the story on your uh, your radio uh, broadcast, started it off our and uh, used everything we had, our savings, to grow a business. And now we do about $85 million a year. We have 85 employees. Wow. And it's a great company. Uh, my son's involved now. He uh, runs half the business. So it's, it's a great time. Uh, that's when you had an opportunity and the government wasn't in your way like they are today. Yeah. And you know firsthand, and you talked about this on the campaign trail when you were running, what the government did to businesses during COVID in particular, right. shutting them down, you almost lost your business. I mean, all these employees who had uh, you know, mouths to feed. Right. 
Yeah, they, they came in one day, and never in your life would you think that a government can tell you, you know, with, without giving you any warning, you know, 5 o'clock on, a, I think it was a Thursday afternoon, we're shutting down, everybody's shutting down. Uh, without any uh, monies coming your way, without any support, literally shutting it down, and they did. Uh, I was one of the fortunate ones. DWD managed to uh, uh, keep working because I'm into construction. Uh, for about three weeks, we did no work, and then the uh, government allowed the construction to start. But 33%, I think it was 30, 33% of businesses never came back. And that's Amazing. because the government shut them down. Right. Not because right. they didn't work hard, not because they didn't put the effort in it, and not because they didn't put their life savings, but it's because of Governor Wolf and Josh Shapiro shut them down. And Josh Shapiro sued on behalf of Governor Wolf to keep them shut down. That's what the people of Pennsylvania have to remember, that uh, if you had a business and you lost your business or your business was shut down, Josh Shapiro is to blame. And that's what Doug Mastriano will change. He'll make sure that never happens again. And uh, he will be a pro-growth, pro-business governor that I'm going to support. And I am looking forward to pulling that lever in November. I mean, you can hear the enthusiasm, which is I'm great. Enthusiastic. And that's good, though, because yeah. we need to hear that from business people like yourself, Dave White. We got to hear that. And, and all we hear is negativity coming across every, every spectrum against Doug Mastriano. And he's a family man. And he's also a guy, he served our country. Right. And I had him on my show and he said to me, you know, how disheartening it was for him to be called an extremist. I, I, I could tell it really bothers him that they say all these terrible things about him. Of course, it's politics, right? But when the record comes out and people really understand, not just hyperbole, but what Josh Shapiro actually did, to your point, suing these businesses on behalf of the Wolf administration, suing private individuals. Right. And, 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 uh, the same time that this was happening, when they were telling businesses to shut down, they were giving out these exemptions for businesses, too, deciding who can stay open and who couldn't. And that's also wrong, too. That's the government picking winners and losers, deciding what's essential and what's not. It's absolutely wrong. See, I think it's extremist to sue the little uh, sisters of the poor. I agree. I think it's extremist to shut down and keep businesses shut down. I think it's extremist to keep kids in masks and keep them out of school. That's what's extreme. I don't think it's extreme what Senator Mastriano's pushing, deregulation, getting people back to work, cutting corporate net income taxes, cutting your property taxes. That's not extreme. That's what the people of Pennsylvania are looking for. Josh Shapiro is the extreme candidate here, not Doug Mastriano. Yeah, well said, Dave White. Now let's turn our attention to the U.S. Senate race. Also very, very close. Trafalgar sure. poll came out and said that John Fetterman is leading Dr. Oz by about five points. Now, it's important to put a couple things in context. Number one, John Fetterman also did not really have a primary challenge, whereas Dr. Oz and Dave McCormick beat the living hell out of each other, and Kathy Barnett, too. I mean, it was, it was very ugly, especially towards the end. Yeah. Constant commercials. So there's uh, obviously a lot of people who are Republican primary voters who need to be brought, brought back into the fold. Whereas, again, John Fetterman got a pass. Everybody thinks he's this, you know, blue-collar guy from Braddock, PA, outside of Pittsburgh. Turns out, of course, the guy's getting a, a huge sum of money from his parents to basically live on the dole, buys a, a house from his sister for a dollar. I think Dr. Oz is going to do very, very well here as well. I think but to be within five points, again, going into Labor Day, it's exactly where you want to be. I, and I agree. And, and take it from a blue-collar worker, a steam fitter. John Fetterman is not a blue-collar worker. <laughs> My parents weren't paying me up until I was 50 years old. Well, they didn't give you 50 grand a year they to They did not give me no. money uh, to do that. I didn't get my first house for a dollar. Uh, we worked for everything we got. And uh, uh, Dr. Oz is a sincere, good conservative. 
And again, uh, the extremists are the John Fetterman yep. who do not want the filibuster. The John Fetterman that want to uh, keep the climate uh, regulations and not allow the uh, gas ex- exploration in Pennsylvania. That's what extremism is. Dr. Oz wants us to be energy uh, independent and quite frankly, energy dominant in the United States because they're great paying jobs. Uh, Dr. Oz will get across the finish line. He'll, he'll make a great senator, and I'm looking forward to uh, working with him as well. And we have to, because if the Democrats can control the U.S. senator, I should say keep control, goodbye filibuster, pack yep. the Supreme Court, D.C. becomes the 51st state, then they're going to add two more senators. It'll be a disaster for us. And Fetterman has said, he's gone on the record and said he wants to end fracking in Pennsylvania. He said yes. this. Yes. That's 26,000 jobs gone tomorrow. No, no doubt about it. And, and he will end it. He will, he will vote with the Bernie Sanders of the world and the Chuck Schumers of the world. That is where he is. He's probably to the left of Chuck Schumer and probably close to the left of Bernie Sanders. That's what he believes. But that's from a guy that's really never held a job in his life, that doesn't understand what it is to pay taxes, what it is to get up at 5 o'clock in the morning, work all day, what it is, as I said, to be a blue-collar worker. He can pretend to be it. He can wear his hoodie all he wants. That is not a blue-collar worker. Blue-collar workers get out, they care for a family, they build a a family, they build a business, and they work hard their whole life. Yeah, well, you just said, too, about getting up at 5 a.m. every day and working all day and busting your ass and doing what you got to do, right? Fetterman was the full-time mayor of Braddock, PA. Look, I don't want to insult the town, but there's 1,700 people. What do you need a full-time mayor for? You got a full-time town administrator. You got full-time public works people. This was just his way of not working, let's be honest. Sure. No, no doubt about it. He, you know, he's proven he doesn't want to work. You know, he, he's proven, again, uh, how extreme he is. Sanctuary cities. He thinks we need more of them, yeah. not less of them. And he's on the record for saying that as well. Uh, there are the things that are wrong with the Democratic Party. There are the things that are wrong with Josh Shapiro and John Fetterman. And there, there are the things that we are going to fight. We have everything right with Doug Mastriano and Dr. Oz. They're the ones that have to uh, represent Pennsylvania. And uh, I feel very confident they will. Look, you're a local guy, Delco, right? I am, Delaware County. Uh, how does this whole Dr. Oz is from Jersey thing play in Pennsylvania? I personally don't think anyone really cares, but am I, am I wrong here? I've never heard one person uh, bring that up to me. Uh, I see the commercials. Uh, I think Dr. Oz will make a great Pennsylvania senator. I was on a campaign trail with him. Yeah. Uh, I know he's sincere. I've become, I'm very good friends with him. Uh, he's treated my family wonderful. He will make a great senator. That's what I want. I want someone that'll work for Pennsylvania and for what people of Pennsylvania believe in. Not someone that wants to take their own agenda to Washington just to continue his, uh, his public service, I guess, <laughs> but pushing his own agenda. And that's what John Fetterman wants to do. He wants to push his liberal agenda. He doesn't worry about the people of Pennsylvania. And just what you said about not allowing fracking, about uh, creating more sanctuary cities, just proves that he's on the wrong side of every, everything that Pennsylvanians believe in. What's next for Dave White? Well, I'm going to work hard over the next two months. I'm going to make sure we have a Governor Mastrano and a Senator Oz. I'm going to do everything I can. I'll be in Lancaster this Wednesday speaking for Doug Mastriano. I go to Warren County September 10th to speak on behalf of the uh, ticket. And I'm going to do as many, uh, uh, as, as many speaking engagements as I can and do whatever I can to make sure we have a Republican success story come November. Great. Well, listen, it's great to see you, my friend. Thank you for having me. Thank you for everything you're doing. We really appreciate it. Dave White, everybody. And now, the segment you've been yearning for. It's time for our favorite MILF, Mother in the Learning Fight. And she's here. She's ready to fight. She's Clarice Schillinger. Hey, buddy. How are you? Hi. 
Looking very purple today. Yeah, we didn't even plan this. I know. This is in honor of Paul Martino's birthday. Aww. We're wearing purple. It is his birthday It is, week. and he's yes. not here, but we, you know, we're thinking of him. Yeah, this one's for so, you, Paul. This one's for you, big guy. Yeah, so, Rich, I need you to get your clicker out. Got my clicker right here. Take me to the milk It's been a long section. time since a woman asked me to get my clicker out. <laughs> here we go. Nope, that's yours. I'm going to keep clicking. <laughs> All right, so... There is a... Uh, wait, wait, wait. Nope, 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 Opinion. Nope. <laughs> you know what I love about um, live television, even though <laughs> this isn't live, but we pretend it is? It's kind of like cosplay TV. What I love about it is that you never know what's going to go right or wrong. Hang on. Hang on. Hang on. Hey! Whoa, we're almost there. Keep, keep going. Back, back it up. There we, there we go. There we go. So you sent me this awesome piece from the Wall Street Journal. It's an op-ed... Um, I didn't from, read it, but I sent it to you. Oh, my gosh, Rich. It's unbelievable. Daniel Buck writes uh, an opinion piece. Woke activism is flooding American classrooms, which we all know. Yeah. But what he talks about is he went to uh, uh, Wisconsin-Madison for his teacher certificate, but also master's degree. It's a whole thing to get your 30-plus in in teaching, which also gives you a raise. Uh So he thought that his experience was super unique, where he the entire time through this two-, three-year program, they were talking about Black Lives Matter. They would pass around popsicle sticks of who could talk and who couldn't. It was like this whole woke agenda. And then COVID happened, and he realized every teacher was going through this. So he goes into detail about how they're like looking through everything through a Marxist lens. How do we expect our teachers to teach when they're not even equipped? The only thing they're equipped with is woke ideas. So we, they went into like this whole study where 13% of teachers, 13% of teachers are equipped with phonics. So when we like look at, you know, our reading comprehension. Wait, like hooked on phonics? Hooked on phonics. Like I, like I was hooked on phonics when I was a kid. You sure. were hooked on phonics. Of course. You're saying 13%. Are equipped when they come out of their master's degree with being able to teach phonics. 13% nationwide. And so this, this opinion piece has really like gone into depth about how, you know, the first year of teaching is really a struggle for these teachers not just because it's a struggle adapting to the classroom. It's a struggle because they're not literally equipped to teach these children. They have been flooded with three years of ideas of woke agendas and Black Lives Matter and like all these like gender studies. But what they're not equipped with is reading, writing, and arithmetic, phonics, and and math. But I thought 13% of our teachers out of a master's degree program are equipped to teach phonics is sad. I would tell you what the other percentage is, but I'm not good at math because I had a public school education. (laughs) So I can't tell you that. All right, what else? All right, so I really need you to see the New York City um, official. uh, He is the head of of public education. David Banks. David Banks. David Banks. What he says about all the immigration happening to New York City, mm-hmm. as we know. Um, we should look at this. Sorry, my phone is ringing on camera. Take, why don't you get that? Who is it? Um, Grab that. Who, Go ahead. Who knows? We'd like to all talk to whoever that is. 
First rule of television is you silence your phone. But since we're just pretending. I, it wasn't on silent because you needed me. Oh, I'm getting blamed for this? Oh, everything is I'm your fault. I'm getting blamed for everything these days. All right. <laughs> All right. 20. Let's talk about David Banks. David Banks, Chancellor of the New York City Department of Education. <laughs> Roll the tape. Roll the tape. I want you to listen to David Banks. He is the Chancellor for the New York City School of Education. They deserve to be welcomed into our schools with open arms. Already our incredible public school staff are stepping up, working tirelessly to ensure a smooth transition for these new students with minimal disruption in their education. Supporting our newest New Yorkers is not just the job of our public schools. We are working in tight coordination with community-based organizations across the city. Now, So I'm going to take you directly to the next clip, which is the Secretary of Education for the De- U.S. Department of Education, which we spoke- I want to tie everything in together, but let's watch this clip real quick. All right. We spoke to the superintendent of Los Angeles uh, School District just last Sunday, and he told us that there are roughly 10 to 20,000 children who are just simply missing. No idea where they went. Right. How widespread is this problem of, of lost children in American school systems? You know, it's a, it's a concern not only in Los Angeles, but uh, in other parts of our country in particular our urban centers where we know the pandemic uh, impacted urban centers uh, where their density is higher. Uh, Many families moved out of uh, cities. All right. So you know how you're super good at like predicting the future? Yeah. All right. So I got one. My Zioli crystal ball? Yes. Okay. I got one for you. Go ahead. So, you know, like 30,000 kids have left New York City public schools. 20,000 have left L.A. public schools. And we've talked in previous episodes where I said school choice is happening with or without elected officials, right? Parents are fed up. So we just watched a clip on New York City welcoming all these, all the immigration, all the busloads Mm -hmm. of children. Then we watched one of all these children leaving the schools. What's going to happen is we have such a surplus of children. Sure. Because our education is so brilliant and so great, but it's really from the busloads of people coming from the border, and they're going to ask for more money. For more schools. Yep. Oh, it's all about the money. Follow the Benjamins, baby. One year. I got to wet my beak. Yes. I got to wet my beak. So even though all the American children are leaving... The schools. The public schools. The public schools. They're We're going to have a new influx coming in. Yes. That's why she is the mother in the learning fight. Because <laughs> she can see through and cut through like that's some real good judo right there. You know? Watch and see. I give it six months to a year. We're going to see. We need more schools, more money, because we have so many children. We're so crowded now, these schools. Correct. Because everybody pulled their kids out of public schools. Yes. And all the rich New Yorkers who love public schools Move to upstate New York and Connecticut <laughs> and send their kids to private schools. I know. Exactly right. All or I, they send them to elite private or, yeah, private schools in New York City. 60 grand a year to go to right. school. Oh, oh Which yeah. in my day, we used to call that four years of college. Oh, seriously. Or in my case, five and a half. Six. 
counting. All right, well, All this right. one I love. This is very near and dear to my yeah, heart. So you know you're crossing the Jersey side of the river. I am. Usually, this mother and learning fight only stays on the PA side. Well, so, wait. welcome to Jersey. Back to school, USA. Back to school, USA. Correct. Right. I mean, we look into every every state, really, but New Jersey. God yeah. bless you for living there. Um, so you know who's asking for more money? The teachers' union. Always. So you have to watch their most recent television ad. Wouldn't it be nice if parents could have television ads? Oh, wait, they don't get the monthly retainer dues. Okay, no. fine. Uh, I, but I thank God they have Back to School USA to fight on their behalf to make sure that the parents are being heard. Otherwise, they would have no voice whatsoever. Correct. Before this begins, though, let me just say one thing as a Jerseyan. Uh, there is North Jersey and South Jersey. There's no Central Jersey. It's very, very simple. You know the difference by whether or not you order Taylor ham or pork roll. That's how it works. Yes, In that's South true. Jersey, if you go to a place and order Taylor ham, they'll look at you like you're crazy. And conversely, if you go to North Jersey and order pork roll, they'll think that you're from Canada. So you got to understand that distinction right there. It's very, very important to do. That's how the NGA begins this ad, like warm and fuzzy, oh, right? Yes. New Jersey Education Association, warm and fuzzy with that, and then we'll go from there. Yeah. We don't agree on everything in New Jersey, but we all agree that our kids deserve a world-class education. So when extremists start attacking our schools, that's not who we are. People who only want to fight to score political points should take that somewhere else. Wow. The, the last line... The people who only want to fight to score political points. Yeah. What political po- points do parents have? Well, here's another question I have. If you want to go somewhere else, can you? No, no. because you don't have school choice. That's right. So you actually can't go anywhere else. Here's the thing, too. Those who attack our schools and the imagery they show, very reminiscent of what? January 6th. They want parents to think that if you speak up at school board meetings, we're going to compare you to an insurrectionist who attacked yes. the Capitol on January yes. 6th. It's very deliberate. It all goes back to that Merrick Garland letter, right? Yep. If they can make parents feel like domestic terrorists, That's then right. you'll be quiet. You'll zip it and sit down. You That's don't want to right. lose your job, your community standing. So it, it's it. You're you're spot on. I mean, it's you know, when I look at those pictures of the parents yelling, I've actually been there. Sure. And in fact, I've been one of those parents. And why they're yelling, why they're so upset is paying $10,000, $20,000 a year in school taxes because we're given no choice, like you, exactly. had, like you had mentioned. But, you know, I, I spoke a lot about this unlimited time to speak at a meeting. Then it went down to five minutes. Then it went down to three minutes. Then it went down to no minutes. And, and these parents are saying, I pay $15,000 a year in school taxes, and you're not going to give me two minutes for the one time a month that you meet. And so you see them screaming with their fingers and being so upset because they're touching their cubs, right? They're mm-hmm. the little cubs, and it's our job to fight for them. And speaking about mama bears, I have a mama bear in guest. Oh. Like, in person. We're excited. My mother of... In the learning fight this week is in studio. So I hope that you enjoy your interview with her. Can't wait. Suzanne Shaheen. Let's welcome her to the show. And thanks to Clarice Schillinger, our mother in the learning fight. We'll be right back. (laughs) 
And welcome back. Our special mother in the learning fight of the week. Suzanne Shaheen is my guest. Suzanne, it's great to see you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. <laughs> so tell us about yourself. You, you're a mom, obviously. You wouldn't be here if you weren't. So I am a mom. I'm a realtor in the Philadelphia, New Jersey areas. Um, I have two sons who go to the Joseph Greenberg Elementary School in Philadelphia. It's a, a, a Keystone Blue Ribbon School, one of the best in the city. Uh, boys' ages are 5 and 11, and um, currently fighting the good fight to get these masks off our kids. Yeah, so Philadelphia said that they'll have to wear masks for the first 10 days of school. And preschool uh, pre kids, I should say, have to wear masks all year round, which is just insane. It's ridiculous. So thankfully, uh, my son, who is five, suffers from eczema and asthma and allergies. So he never had to wear masks okay. through preschool or anything. He went to a private daycare, started him off uh, in the public schools in kindergarten. And if I remember correctly, masks were not, it was mask optional to start out. And then um, after spring break of last, this past year, they said, oh, we're going to go to masking for the first 10 days and ended up not doing that. So we know that the same thing is coming. We know yeah. that this is the first 10 days, you know, to slow the spread. Here we are. How many 290 days later is it? But um, we know that this is a lie. We know that it's going to continue. And um, I'm, I'm sick of it. And I, a lot of other people are as well. Yeah, I'm sick of it, too. My daughter has a speech delay. So we were able to get her mask exemption. But it was a fight. It was a fight to do so. Right. And I don't think any of these kids should wear masks. I mean, certainly if a parent wants to mask their kid, I guess it's up to them. But to, to mandate this on our children, who we know are not dying of COVID, they're not even really getting sick of COVID, and grandma's vaccinated, so why are we worried about bringing it back to grandma? That was the excuse, right, Correct. early on? Grandma yep. could die, so the kids have to wear masks. Well, grandma is quadruple boosted at this point and probably already got COVID regardless. Right. And so she's okay. So what are we doing here? I, that, that is a great question. What are we doing here? Um, the city of Philadelphia, the kids are already at a disadvantage. There's so much crime. There are so many, you know, there's 21 kids who were fatally shot, uh, yet we're focusing on, you know, masking and, um, you know, the, with the excuse that schools are open. Yeah. You know, schools are, oh, it's, you know, to keep the schools open. Oh, yeah, to keep so, the schools open. Yeah, right. it's ridiculous at this point. Um, there was a school board meeting last week where a bunch of parents spoke up, and they just keep going back to, uh, you know, CDC, PDHP, and at this point, nobody's requiring it. Uh -huh. Nobody, so why are we? Yeah. So we're trying to get to the bottom of it. Uh, myself and a group of other six or seven women are, have joined together to figure out who is behind this. And you've been on Fox News, which is great. I mean, you get the, the word out nationally. Our community spread in Philadelphia is not a high transmission rate right now. We're about medium. Correct. But if we were high, who cares? I mean, it, it, there's a difference between getting a virus and getting very sick from a virus. And those are two separate things. But uh, to your point, I think it's about control more than anything else. So tell us about with the moms, your mom group, your mother's in the learning fight, which we're all trying to accomplish here. So what we're trying to do is we're trying to figure out how we can get to soothe, either soothe the district. What we really want to accomplish is mm -hmm. mask optional for everybody. Good. No more masking. Um, we want the same rights. Our kids should have the same rights as any other kids across the country. Um, the pandemic is over. We know that COVID is not going anywhere, uh, but they continue to keep wanting to test the kids and keep, you know, keep mandating these masks. And we're trying to figure out why they are requiring this. So now when you talk to these other moms and I imagine that the immediate reaction against your group is that you guys just want people to die, right? That's probably what the uh, opposition says. Don't you care about people? 
don't you care about people? Don't you follow the science? Well, I think we know right now, especially with the CDC taking back everything that they said and all the lives that they ruined, all the companies and businesses that they put out of uh-huh. business in the past two years, um, we see that this is you know shifting. And people feel like they've been fooled now, I feel like. Somebody today told me, you know, I got vaxxed and um, uh, boosted just so that my daughter can go back and attend school. But now that they're still mandating it, it makes me feel like a fool. Yeah. So, (laughs) and, you know, it is what it is. But at the same time, it's, you know, everybody's ready to go back. The kids in Philadelphia should not have the mask mandate at all. The teachers are vaccinated. Teachers are vaccinated. The staff is vaccinated. Uh, many kids are vaccinated. So what are we doing here? Even if there are children who are not vaccinated, which is absolutely fine. Of course, I'm not suggesting that they should be. But um, if your kids are vaccinated, what are you worried about? I Correct. Would, I would say, right, unless you're just acknowledging the vaccines don't work. But then, um, you know, at, at that moment, then does society just shut down? No, of course not. We, we live through this. To your point, it's not going away. It's an endemic now. But let's let kids be kids. Let's let kids be normal. They, these masks cause uh, a lot of problems for kids, psychological problems. There's health problems, yeah. speech delays, confidence delays, too. When kids can't see how other people are talking, it's very hard for them to understand how to talk themselves. Correct. And I have seen a speech delay coming with my five-year-old oh, who couldn't see his kindergarten teacher's mouth this whole year because uh, she decided to keep the mask on and and that's fine to each his own but you know there will be repercussions that come with the kids another kid in his school uh, was deathly afraid to take off his mask for fear that others will make him sick so what are we doing to the kids at that point yeah i agree with you well suzanne it's great to have you in studio is there gonna be a lawsuit or can you not say yet what do you what do you think where does the future go with this (laughs) so we really haven't we don't know yet so we have been in discussions with certain lawyers um, it seems that the school board, the I'm sorry, the teachers union is really the one behind the mandates. So trying to get into the teachers union and get them to reverse this, uh, the unions have deep pockets, as we all know. Yeah. So really um, just discussion, discussions with lawyers and uh, getting the funding together. Um, in, in a group, whether that be through a give, send, go or a GoFundMe, which was previously shutting down yep. parents who were trying to do this. So that is where it stands. There hasn't been anything officially filed yet, but we're still working on it. All right, good. What can we do to help? At the moment, I think just spreading awareness about yeah. what's going on in Philadelphia. Why should the children have to go through this? Why aren't they being you know, treated equally. You know, you have people who scream and cry for equality and, you know, oppression and they're being, this is oppression. This, mm-hmm. you know, the kids are at a disadvantage right now in Philadelphia. They shut the city down for the past two years. They took away all the recreation centers. They took away services for children who are autistic, special needs. There was nothing for them. So what was the result? Higher crime rates now in schools, more mental health crisis. You know, the city got the, I'm sorry, the school district got $1.5 billion in funding for COVID, wow. yet we still don't have basic our basic needs being met yeah. in schools. So I think that is the big, you know, a big problem. And I think city officials should be investigated. And the last point I'll make is that the CDC acknowledged that you really need an N95 mask Correct. for masking to be effective. These kids are not wearing N95 masks. And once we know that N95 masks are what it takes to really prevent the spread of a respiratory virus, it also 
is just another point about this is much more about something else other than keeping our kids safe. Correct. And the, the masks are coming off at play dates. The masks are coming off at birthday parties. The masks are coming off when they're doing so many other activities. It's not like these kids are in masks 24-7 with a medical grade N95 mask. So I think this is just more about controlling our children so that they can remind us that they're in charge than anything else. Absolutely. And not only that, just to touch on that subject, uh, the kids are going to be riding buses together back and forth on SEPTA. So there is no mandate on SEPTA that you have to wear a mask. There's no mandate anywhere in the city or or the surrounding counties, for that matter. So they're going to be together on the bus with 70 to 100 other people with no masks to go into school, put a mask on, breathe in the microplastics that are on that mask and the fibers that are Mm, on that mask. I love good plastic in my lungs. It's a great feeling. Yeah. Yeah. Get in my bronchial tubes. Exactly. Make it make sense, please. (laughs) And then the last thing I'll say is that I have a two-year-old, and there's no way that that little terror is wearing a mask. She can't keep a mask on her face. No way. She can't even sit in the potty for two seconds, let alone wear a mask. To put preschool kids through this is just cruel. There's no other way to put it. It's just cruel. It is. But, you know, this is the beginning of social conditioning, and this is what... um, you know, they're trying to make seem normal for our kids. They'll say a three-year-old has a choice on gender, but not a choice to wear a mask or not. It's really amazing. (laughs) Uh, Suzanne, thanks for all your great work. Keep up the good work, and thanks for being a mother in the learning fight. We appreciate it. Thank you for having me. We'll be right back. Mama Zioli always says you need to eat your vegetables. So here's another Joe Biden word salad. Yeah, this is a doozy here, Clarice, because um, (laughs) we're actually going to do something a little different this week. There's no audio to this. Yes. Well, I mean, there is, but we're just going to silence it. You do know why there's no audio, right? Because it's terrible. Well, no, there's no audio because Joe Biden's been on vacation for two weeks. Yeah. He has not held a press conference in what, since like March? I think so, yeah. <laughs> Literally. So, so they said, walk in here, take your mask off, and sign something. <laughs> and then everybody just claps like a bunch of seals. So yes. I figured we would just mute it, and I'll just describe to you what I'm seeing. Yeah, you have All to right. spare the Let's listeners. Here we do this. So, And if you're watching on our YouTube page, subscribe and like the page. Joe Biden walks to the podium, shakes Chuck Schumer's hand, takes his mask off, and immediately proceeds to cough in his hand. <laughs> then, with that same filthy hand, he's handing out pens and shaking hands with people, looking around like the guy who's trying to understand, is it bingo night tonight? Or is it Jello night? Or is it both? Hopefully it's both tonight. And around him are a bunch of people standing around clapping behind him. And he goes to cough again into the same hand he just shook Joe Manchin's hand with, I think purposely trying to kill him. Probably. So he doesn't know it's Joe Manchin. And then hands him another pen. And then there's more clapping and more coughing and clapping. And it looks like, and I could be off here, I think he pooped his pants. Oh. It sort of, he has that look on like, did I poop my pants or did you poop my pants? That's the kind of look he has, I think. He definitely poops his pants. I think, yeah. <laughs> it's a bad look for the President of the United States. Oh, man. Is he, is he, I, I know that he's our president. Yeah. But, you know, when he hands Joe Manson that pen. Yeah, that filthy COVID-covered pen. Yes. And looks but, at him like, hey, who are you? Huh? Yes. Hey, what are you doing here? You want a pen? Here, take a pen. Thanks for coming. <gasps> Who's this guy? How about you? You want a pen? (laughs) Here, take a pen. And then COVID, the guy who said it was your patriotic duty to wear a mask, takes the mask off at the podium and leaves the mask off when there's six people around him. Yep. And he's breathing on everybody, coughing in his hands and handing him filthy COVID-covered pens. Correct. And He just said COVID. His wife has COVID. Yes. 
So, how you doing? And did he not say it was your patriotic duty yes. to wear a damn, wear a damn mask? Just like I did for two seconds when I was by myself. And they took it off to breathe all over and cough over everybody. Here's a pen. It's a Bic. Click it. My day, Bic was a lighter. I don't know when that changed. My dad would say to me, Joey, if you have a pen lighter, you're James Bond. No joke. Sean Connery. Good James Bond right there. No joke. Octopussy. Corn pop. Can't say that anymore. Corn pop. <laughs> Foot octopussy and Del. Uh, yeah, you can't say any of those things anymore. That's right. You can't. And that is Joe Biden's word salad. Eat up, kids. It's good for you. It's healthy. <laughs> Time for our last call here on the Rich Zioli <laughs> podcast. We got to get production for that. FYI. We need you it. got the guy. You got the guy. You are the guy. You are the guy. Uh, I am the guy. You are the guy. She is identifying as a guy. I act, no, I do have dude brain. Like, I'm not like a normal chick. You're not. No. No. I mean, no. you look like a woman. Thank you. You, you do. And you answer the question, what is a woman? But you're really inside. No, you're I a am, guy on the inside. I am a woman. My brain is more like a dude. Yeah. I don't get into the drama. My brain is much more like a woman, actually. Like, um, very delicate. Oh, very sensitive. Really? Oh, yeah. I haven't noticed. I know. Tonight I'm having bonbons, <laughs> curling up with a good Hallmark movie. But before we do that, let's talk about this crazy, armless man. Who this stabbed? This poor guy. I mean, my God. <laughs> he stabbed someone He's, with He scissors. has no arms, and he stabbed a tourist with his feet. With his Look, feet. Look, you got to give this guy a lot of credit. This is a guy who will overcome adversity, all right, and still be a Class A criminal. <laughs> He's like, what? I need hands and arms to be a criminal? <gasps> F that. I'm going to go stab this guy with my feet. My question is this. Are you willing to overcome whatever odds it is in your life to become the man you always wanted to be or woman? Huh? <laughs> Can I read you the Taurus? Sure, go ahead. Oh, my God. The, 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 guy, the person that got stabbed says... I was simply asking for directions. It's like, how the hell did I get stabbed? Like, is the right guy at the right at that point? Because I can't believe with his legs, someone could do that. Yeah. I'm impressed. He's like the Mr. Miyagi of yes. armless homeless people. Yes. Right? It's incredible. Well, it's kind of like sad. The next clip that we're going to talk about is... The um, future armless no, homeless people. Oh, no, no, no. Okay. No, we got to talk about... How the video that's that's associated with this picture? Yeah, he's he used to make a killing doing paintings with his feet. Wow! And there's someone very famous that's already met this guy, so I want you to watch this oh, whole let's do interaction. It. All right, great. Style looks pretty good right there. Cut it in fours. Did a little drizz drizz on it. And don't forget to give it to a crack addict. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we got good a crack addict. How's he pulling that? <laughs> How's he pulling that? Is it hooked? I, listen, I rarely get left speechless. I was left speechless by that guy. That's Dave Portnoy with his pizza reviews, which reminds me, is our pizza here yet? Oh, it's on its way. It's on its way. I'm so excited. And there's no lettuce. No lettuce. Because lettuce pizza is disgusting. It's like ham and bacon pizza or anything like that. You know what like I mean? Like pineapple. Pineapple. You know how I feel about that. Uh, <laughs> all right. So speaking of that, um, do you think that the future 
homeless, armless people are going to be in this competition here or what? I mean, anything, like if someone can stab someone with their feet. Anything's possible. Anything is possible. Look, you got to believe And if life. I can get Rich Zioli in a mullet wig, hey, I'm gonna do anything this right is possible. You watch this. Oh, God. This is my Joe Dirt, baby. <laughs> Joe Dirt? Oh, Look at that. Oh you like that? <laughs> this is what I'm talking about. <gasps> All right, put your bandana on. It says, business on top, party in the back. Or in this case, it says, cheap dollar store wig. But it's the same thing. It's not cheap. It wasn't cheap? No, it's like 30 bucks. 30 right. bucks? You paid $30 for this? Yeah, Party City's, $30 for this? Party that's City's like, expensive. It's like an armless homeless guy's like life savings, 30 bucks. <laughs> I love how great. Give me a moonshine. Let's do this. <laughs> this is why I got to be watching on YouTube. If you're listening to the podcast right now, I need to go over to the YouTube channel so you can see this. It's very visual, but I am wearing a mullet wig. I what? can't believe I just snorted. Did you this snort again? It's so funny. It's so funny. I like this. Look. I may go with this. I may I, drive home like this and see if I get stopped on the highway. No, you would definitely like get out of it, I think. The problem that is that kind of wig? my car is not mobile, but my home is. So it's perfect for my mullet. Okay, <laughs> tell me about this. Joe Dirt, let's go. You got to keep going. What am I going to do, quit? That's not an option. You got to keep on keeping on. Life's a garden, dig it. You make it work for you. You never give up, man. That's my philosophy. You hear that in there? This is the 2022 Child Mullet Championship finalists. First place, Alan Bartz from Florida. Shocking, it's from Florida. Austin from Arkansas, also shocking. But this dude is from Wisconsin, which I don't think they had mullets there. Brock in Georgia, mullet, rocking the mullet with a little side shave. Cash, Mer- Maryland, wow. And uh, Landry from Duncan, Oklahoma. The American flag in the side of his mullet. I love mullet. it. That kid's going places right there. Yes. That's going places right I there. I mean, these kids are awesome, but I definitely think that you would win the mullet competition. Especially with my suit jacket, <laughs> right? It's this so is good. the look right here. Um, I would advise these kids, not that these kids have ever eaten vegetables, but if they did, don't eat lettuce from Wendy's, right? Yeah, don't eat lettuce. You got a little bit of an outbreak going on? Yeah, for like the next month, like don't eat lettuce from Wendy's. Don't eat lettuce from Wendy's. No, no. E. coli, it's a whole thing. Everybody's been sick. You know, 37 people are like puking everywhere. Gross. Yeah. It's Normally that's just from their fries. Did you know when yeah. I was like doing... <laughs> That's true. I hate their fries. No, their fries are the best. They're hot and crispy. That's their whole thing. Ew. Wendy's fries are the greatest. They're hot and crispy. That's their I whole... think that we need to have a debate. All right, next last call. <laughs> Hang on. We are doing I'm throw up in the mullet, a fry debate. <laughs> I'm just going to get rid of the mullet and put back on my bandana like any good old You do have your American. up there. I have what? Did you see it? Yeah, I see. I got this, though. Wait, what debate do you want to have? What fries are the best fries? There's no question about it. We're going to lay them all out. All right, let's do it. No, we'll get you, Terry and Dan the, in here, too. Did you see the TikTok trend where, like, there's, like, a blind box? And, yeah. like, okay, this is what we're doing. Next week, we're doing the blind box. I'm going to put all different kind of fast food fries. You're going to have to pick your favorite, and we're going to see who the winner is. All right, done. Let's done. do it. Done. All right, so don't eat Wendy's. But did you know Wendy's has, like, a theme song when their employees go through training? They, like, sing them songs. So, like, when they're making food, they sing the song so they can remember the order. Really? All right, just watch watch this mashup. Wendy's, we always serve it right away. Have a smile and have a nice day. Wendy's. 
This is all your life has gotten We'd to. We serve it right away. I love Wendy's. First of all, they're big adoption advocates. So the Dave yeah, Thomas I Foundation know. for Adoption, oh, God, very near it. and dear to my heart as a yes. father of two beautiful children who came to us via adoption. Yes. So whenever we go through Wendy's and they're always asking for money, like, you know, if oh, you, yeah. I'm always giving them a little bit for their adoption. They actually really, I will say this, if you have a choice between Wendy's or other burger chains, I don't want to get sued. I'm just saying, they are the adoption advocates. I know. The Dave Thomas Foundation for Adoption does great stuff. You and Bridget are like amazing humans. I mean, truly. And I'm adopting some E. coli lettuce, too. I'm going to wash <laughs> it, raise it, and make it healthy. It's going to be my you? next goal. You're going to yeah. do that? I think it's going to be good, right? All right, I'm going to do my final thought. You want to do my final thought? Should I keep this bandana on for it or not? Uh, definitely. Definitely for my final thought. I won't thought. giggle, though. No, you can't, because I don't have my clickers not working. I didn't give you any final thought. I got no final thought this week. You know what? It's a good thing, too, because I'm going on vacation. So here's my final thought. Ready? I'll see you when I get back with my fresh mullet. Oh, wait. I took my mullet wig off. Right? Didn't I? <laughs> I wasn't supposed How about to this? Here's my final thought. John Fetterman is now coming out and uh, suggesting to everybody out there we should prosecute big oil. That's right. He wants to get elected to the United States Senate and use his power as a senator, to go after and prosecute big oil and big food. Tyson Chicken, he names in his op-ed as well, saying if these companies have egregious profits, hey, John, since you never worked a day in your life because you were at home till you were 50 taking a salary from your parents, literally an allowance. Dude, did you even vacuum or take out the garbage? I did to earn my allowance, pal. I vacuumed every week. Mama Zioli would make me take out the trash, and I did a lousy job. It's why I only got a dollar. You got 50 grand a year, and you bought your sister's house for a dollar. And your whole point is, I'm John Fetterman. I'm just like an every guy with my hoodie, and I'm the full-time mayor of Braddock, PA. Dude, Braddock has 1,700 people in it. They don't need a full-time mayor. What do you do all day in Braddock? Wait for people to call you about shoveling snow? What about in the summer? What? What do you do? Pick up skunks? I mean, what is there to do as a full-time mayor of Braddock? Nothing. That's why you got a measly salary, and then your parents subsidized it. But for you to want to say you want to use your power as a U.S. senator to go after big oil and big food shows the kind of tyrant you would be. Let me ask you another question, too. Are you criticizing the FBI for the raid on Mar-a-Lago? No. How come? Because you're saying that anybody who criticizes that is being thoughtless and unnecessary. It shows what kind of a guy you are, a big totalitarian authoritarian who's never worked a day in his life. But I know Dr. Oz lived in Jersey. What a horrible sin. I agree as a Jerseyan. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to the podcast and watching it. Please like it. Please rate it. Tell a friend. Only rate it if you like it. We'll be back next week. Thank you.